I'm guessing that I'm not the only one who is glad that our gospel readings have, have gotten shorter. We've had some long gospel readings the past few weeks. I went back and did some simple math this past week, which, by the way, for a priest is always very complicated math. And I, I listed all of the numbers of verses that we've just read uh, from the appointed readings from Palm Sunday to today, and I found out that we uh, have read 170 uh, verses from the various gospel accounts in five Sundays. It's, it's a whole lot of verses. Palm Sunday skews those numbers just a bit because we, on that Sunday, heard nearly 100 verses between the, the reading of the triumphal entry and then the passion reading. But the past several weeks, we've also had some long readings. Last Sunday, for instance, we were at 19 verses. And so it's nice today that we are back to a more manageable nine verses from John chapter 10. This is the fourth Sunday of Easter, and every Sunday, every, every year on this Sunday, the fourth Sunday of Easter, we hear from John chapter 10. This portion of John's gospel account is often called Jesus's Good Shepherd Discourse, and so for that reason, we often call this Sunday Good Shepherd Sunday. On this day, the scripture, the music, the collect for the day, they all focus in on, on shepherding in some way or another. In the text from John chapter 10, Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd, and is often the case when Jesus speaks, there are many different layers of meaning. The surface level meaning is one that we all know, I think. Jesus is the good shepherd who takes care of all of his sheep. We know this image well. In fact, I, I'd go so far as to say that, that after the image of the crucified Jesus, the image of Jesus as good shepherd is probably the go-to image that we use in the church. And you've seen it before. Jesus is, is standing there in his long robes with the staff in one hand, and he often has a shepherd, a lamb, maybe wrapped around his neck or in one of his arms, uh, and the other sheep are standing there looking up adoringly and lovingly in him as he stands in the, in the green meadow. The good shepherd cares for his sheep. There's something comforting about the good shepherd who knows each one of us by name. And let me just say that there is nothing wrong with this particular image. It reminds us that Jesus loves us. William Sloan Coffin, the great preacher and activist of the last century, says that this image presents the very important message that above everything else, God cares. God cares for you. God cares for me. God cares for all of God's good creation. And that is a significant message that we, as people of God, are called to proclaim. God cares. So that's the, the surface-level meaning of this passage that we hear today. And if that's all that you take away when you hear Jesus say, I am the good shepherd, then I think, I think that's okay. But there's, there's something more, there's something deeper going on in this passage as well. And, and while it may, be, may not be plain and obvious to us as we listen to Jesus' words, the first hearers knew exactly what Jesus was saying. Jesus' shepherd discourse takes place during the Jewish feast of the dedication that's better known to us as Hanukkah, and that feast commemorates the victory of Judas Maccabeus over the Syrians, and it also commemorates the cleansing and the rededication of the temple. 
right before this passage that we hear today in John chapter 9, Jesus is healing a blind man on the Sabbath. That's a big no-no. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders, tell the crowds that they are not sure that Jesus is actually a godly person. Jesus then turns to the Pharisees and accuses them of not being able to see God when God is standing right in front of them, another big no-no to challenge the religious establishment. And then we get to chapter 10, the, the Good Shepherd Discourse. Jesus begins to use language that sounds somewhat mild to us, but the message would have been very clear and, and probably even a little troubling to the many first century religious people who are listening to him speak. I am the good shepherd, he says. Immediately their minds would have started working. They would begin to think about Moses, the great leader who not only cared for actual sheep, but, but also tended to God's flock, the Hebrew people, as he led them out of their captivity in Egypt. Is, is Jesus comparing himself to Moses, they would be wondering? Their minds would would then go to David, the youngest son of Jesse, who was out working as a shepherd in the field when the prophet Samuel came to anoint the next king. Is, is Jesus comparing himself to, to King David in this passage, they would wonder? Their minds would, would then go to Psalm 23, that psalm that we all know very well that we just sang a few minutes ago. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He revives my soul. He guides me along right pathways for his name's sake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for God is with me. Is, is this man, is, is Jesus comparing himself with the Lord God who is the true shepherd, they would have wondered. Their minds would immediately have went to all of these things when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Is this man calling himself a, a prophet, a king, a, a messiah? Is this man calling himself God? They would have wondered what a, a scandalous, what a blasphemous thing to say. So that's all happening at the beginning of John chapter 10, right before our story for today. And as we move in on our action today, we're told that, that Jesus is walking in the temple during winter when, when some people gather around him and start to press him one more time. They want to know who he is. Are you going to tell us if you are the Messiah? Tell us plainly, they says. Quit leaving us in dispense. In suspense. They want an answer from Jesus, a, a definite and a final answer about who he is. Are you the king or not? Barbara Brown Taylor says that she thinks that there are a couple of reasons why Jesus doesn't just come out and say that he is the Messiah, the Christ. She says that the first reason is because Jesus knew that the word Christ would immediately bring to mind images not of a good shepherd, but of a, a warrior king, a political Messiah who would grind the bones of the Romans into dust. The other reason why Jesus doesn't tell this group who he is is because Jesus, she says, seemed to know that they were asking not because they wanted to believe, but because they wanted to get into a debate, an argument with Jesus. They could not hear Jesus because they did not actually want to be in relationship with Jesus. They did not want to be in a relationship with a Messiah who did not fit the, uh, the mold, a Messiah who was not a warrior king, a Messiah who preached about a different sort of kingdom. 
the ones who hear and accept the message of a, a different kingdom, a peaceable kingdom, those are Jesus' sheep, we're told. They are the members of his flock. They belong to Jesus. And this group questioning Jesus seems more interested in arguing than joining that group. And, and that's what I want to talk about for just a couple of minutes today. What, what does it mean for us to say that we belong to Jesus, the Good Shepherd? Maybe the best place to start is to think about what that doesn't mean. To belong to Jesus, the Good Shepherd, doesn't mean that we are checking off all of the religious boxes. We're checking off the church on Sunday's box. We're checking off the money in the offering plate box. We're checking off the the don't steal, the don't kill that annoying person next door boxes. We're checking off the the don't cheat on your spouse or your partner boxes. Those those are all good and important things, and we hope that you will come to St. John's Church all the time and give us lots of money, but that's, that's not what Jesus is talking about in this particular passage. Jesus is telling us that belonging to him is is not about reluctantly meeting the minimum requirements of membership. Belonging to Jesus means actively and constantly living in his love. Actively and constantly living in Christ's love and then passing that love on to others. That's, that's how we belong to Jesus. Leo Tolstoy wrote in the 19th century that the only certain happiness in life is to live for others. We're only happy when we live for others. Jesus, when pressed by the religious leaders to name the greatest commandment in another part of the gospel accounts, Matthew and Mark's gospel accounts, says that it's this, that we are to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and then we are to also love our neighbors as ourselves. Belonging to Jesus means that we are actively spending our lives working to love God and to love our neighbors, our rich neighbors, our poor neighbors, our hurting neighbors, our oppressed neighbors. Like much of what Jesus says to us, there are many different layers in this reading. The surface layer is, is one that we all know, and it's, it's an important message. Jesus, the Good Shepherd, is, is leading us. Jesus, the Good Shepherd, is caring for us. Jesus, the Good Shepherd, is even willing to lay down his life for us. But the deeper layer, the deeper message is that those of us who belong to this Messiah, to this King, are also called to do His work in this world. We hear the voice of the Good Shepherd, and then we too are called to go out to love and to care and to tend the vulnerable sheep. We go out to build up Christ's peaceable kingdom, where the swords and the other weapons of war will one day be beaten into plowshares, where the the lion will lie down with the lamb. And the promise of the Good Shepherd is that those who join his flock will never be separated from him. As the Apostle Paul says in his letter to the Romans, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God, not death, not life, not angels, not rulers, not things present, not things yet to come, not powers, not height, not depth, not anything in all of creation can separate us from the love of God that we have been given in Jesus Christ our Lord. May we hear the Good Shepherd's voice when he calls our name and follow wherever he may lead us. Amen.